Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and now this train is officially rolling. And the second week of the NFL, this is going to be your weekly NFL recap. First game off the bat, we're looking at Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys rally stuns Falcons 40-39 in McCarthy's home debut. Greg Zerline kicked a 46-yard field goal as time expired, and the Dallas Cowboys overcame four fumbles and a 20-point deficit in the first quarter to beat the Atlanta Falcons 40-39 in Coach Mike McCarthy's home debut. Uh, the game leaders in that game, first passing yards, Matt Ryan, 24-36, 273 yards and four TDs. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, was 34-47, 450 yards, one TD. Rushing the ball, Todd Gurley, 21 carries, 61 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 22 carries, 89 yards, and one TD. The leading receivers, Calvin Ridley for the Falcons, seven receptions, 109 yards, and two TDs. And C.D. Lamb, six receptions, 106 yards. But let's look a little bit deeper into those statistics because Matt Ryan, 24 36, 273 yards, 7.6 average, 4 TDs, no interceptions. His QBR was 90.6. His overall rating was 126.3. His leading receiver. Calvin Ridley with seven receptions for 109 yards. He had two TDs. His longest was 25 yards, and he was targeted 10 times. Amazing. Julio Jones was held in check with only two receptions for 24 yards. Four targets. I find it interesting. But let's look at the Cowboys on the other hand. Dak Prescott, once again, 34-47 for 450 yards. 9.6 average, one TD. No interceptions. QBR of 85. His QB rating was 109.4. He also rushed five times for 18 yards. But here's the kicker right here. He had three rushing touchdowns. So altogether, he accounted for four touchdowns. Who was his leading receivers? CeeDee Lamb, the rookie out of OU. Six receptions for 106 yards. 17.7 average. Longest was 37. He was targeted nine times. So I like that ratio. Targeted nine times, six catches. Who was the second leading receiver on the team? How about Amari Cooper showed up? Six receptions also, 100 yards, 16.7 average, 58-yard long one, and nine targets as well. And then you had, out of nowhere, tight end, six foot five, all six foot five, 255 pounds of them, 
out of Stanford, Dalton Schultz. What did he do? So glad you asked. Nine receptions, 88 yards, 9.8 average, one TD. His longest reception, 18 yards. He was targeted 10 times. That means he caught 90% of his way. Then look at Michael Gallup. Two receptions, 58 yards for an average of 29 yards. His longest reception, 38 yards. He was targeted five times. So I just wanted to bring that to light because those were your leading receivers. In other words, Dak distributed the ball real well in, in places. And it wasn't just dink and doinks by looking at these averages, 177 16.7, 9.8, 29. Uh, we had uh, Blake Bell. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with Blake Bell, the, which is the Bishop Carroll product. Former OU player, all 6'6", 260 of them. He was targeted two times. Actually, he was targeted three times, caught two of three. That's a 66% average right there. 34 yards, 17 yards average. His longest was 24 yards. Of course, Ezekiel Elliott gets into the fray. Targeted seven times, caught six passes, 33 yards, 5.5. And those are your main contributors right there in the passing game right there. You had uh, Noah Brown out of OSU. Uh, he was targeted two times, caught both passes. They were starting him for a 14-point average. In other words, 28 yards as long as being 20-yard reception. So it was just a well-rounded passing game, and that had good percentage. So, just want to look at that. As a, as a team, Dallas rushed for 125 yards. I'm pretty sure that could be better. Uh, but it is what it is. Dallas came back when they game 439. Now, their next game is against the Seattle Seahawks. That game has me worried because the level that Russell Wilson is playing at right now. It's like he's playing lights out almost flawlessly. So we're going to look at some more NFL scores as well, too. Because like I said, this is the weekly wrap. If I can pull that up. So right now, we will look at the standings right now in the AFC. Some is called it the AFC lease, but right now, you have Buffalo at 2-0 leading the AFC East, followed by New England at 1-1. Miami at 
0-2, followed by the New York Jets, also at 0-2. In the AFC North, you have a top first in that division right now. Both teams at 2-0, looking at Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Cleveland hanging in there at 1-1, and and Cincinnati bringing up the red 0-2. Uh, in the AFC South, you got the Tennessee Titans running wild at 2-0. Jacksonville coming in at 1-1, followed by Indianapolis also at 1-1, and Houston. It's going to be a long year for them at 0-2. In the AFC West, you have Kansas City and, i got to get used to saying this, the Las Vegas Raiders at 2-0, and a team that could have been 2-0 had not been for a 58-yard field goal that kicked them to the loss column, you got the Los Angeles Chargers, and then at 0-2, you have the Denver Broncos. Moving on to the NFC East, you have a two-way top first. You have the you have the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team at 1-1. You have the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles at 0-2. My question for the Eagles is, what's wrong with Carson Wentz? Let me just throw this out here. I have said this for the longest, and I'm going to keep on saying it because this is what I believe. I do not believe that this team is firmly behind their quarterback. Keep in mind, they won the Super Bowl, but Nick Foles is the one that won it. He went down to injury again the following year after the Super Bowl year. And come Nick Foles to the rescue. I'm going to throw this question out there. I don't know where he's at on the depth chart. How long before we see Jalen Hurts inserted into the lineup? Could Philadelphia be an injury away from Carson Wentz before we see Jalen Hurts? And what difference would he make in that team? Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback in Alabama. Able to go to OU for a year, pick up the system, and learn it. Had them in the college football playoffs. I think he's a student of the game. And I think he'd be a good addition. Not that I want to see that, but I think he'd be a good addition to Philadelphia. Moving on to the NFC North. Got the Green Bay Packers at 2-0. Followed by, surprisingly, the Chicago Bears at 2-0. Bringing up the rear are two 0-2 teams, Detroit and Minnesota. And in the NFC South division, you have a two-way tie between Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1-1, and bringing up the rear at 0-2 is a tie with Atlanta and Carolina. Moving on to the NFC West. You have the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. All the 2-0 followed by the wounded San Francisco 49ers at 1-1. Looking at the offensive leaders right now, 
Leading the way in passing yards for Buffalo, Josh Allen with 729 yards. You got Matt Ryan with 723 yards. Dak Prescott, 716 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, 636 yards. And Russell Wilson, 610 yards. The rushing leaders thus far. Aaron Jones from Green Bay, 234 rushing yards. Derrick Henry, Tennessee, 200 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys, 185 yards. Nick Chubb, Cleveland, 184 yards. Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas, 181 yards. Leading receivers right now. And that's a two-way tie with uh, 239 yards, both for it. Buffalo's Stefan Diggs and Atlanta's Calvin Ridley. Number three on that list from New England, Julian Edelman. From the Carolina Panthers, Rodney Anderson. And at number five spot from the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. Your defensive leaders right now, leading away with tackles. Tampa Bay, Devin White with 26. Green Bay, Christian Kirksey, 24 tackles. From Minnesota, Eric Kendricks, 23. Also, Micah Kaiser from the Los Angeles Rams, 23. And with 23, Jalen Smith from the Dallas Cowboys. Your sack leaders right now, T.J. Watt from Pittsburgh, 2.5. Chase Young from Washington, two and a half sacks. From Tampa Bay, and Dominican Sue with two. Also from Tampa Bay, Jason Pierpaul with two. And Adrian Claiborne from Cleveland with two. That, that's a pretty deadly combination right there in Tampa Bay with Dominican Sue and Jason Pierpaul. That defense is pretty stout, I would have to say, with those two. The leaders in interception. Jerry Sneed from Kansas City with two. Devin McCourty from New England, one. And basically, from Pittsburgh, Joe Hayden, Cameron Haywood from Pittsburgh, and Melvin Ingram III from the L.A. Chargers, all with one. So there you have some stats right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pause and put in a word from my sponsor. So stay tuned. The train is still building up steam. This is a train sports talk podcast. Anthony Smith. In some news from around the NFL, the New York Giants are adding Devontae Freeman on a one-year, $3 million deal. New York Giants are signing former Pro Bowl running back Devontae Freeman after losing Saquon Barkley for the season. Freeman and Giants agreed to a one-year deal worth up to $3 million, Freeman's agent Drew Rosenhaus told ESPN's Adam Schefter on Tuesday. Freeman is expected to sign the contract Wednesday morning, practice with the Giants later Wednesday, and could play as soon as Sunday. Devontae turned down more money from other teams because he likes the opportunity with the Giants' best, Rosenhaus told Shepard. 
Barkley tore the ACL in his right knee in Sunday 17-13 loss to the Chicago Bears. Deion Lewis played every snap in his absence. Freeman, 28, spent the first six years of his career with the Atlanta Falcons. He has two 1,000-yard rushing seasons, 2015 and 16, and has averaged 4.2 yards per carry throughout his career. But Freeman has 656 yards rushing and two touchdowns on 184 carries, 3.6 average last season. The Falcons let him walk as a free agent this offseason and instead signed Todd Gurley. Freeman had other opportunities this offseason. He turned down a deal that could have been worth $3 million with the Seattle Seahawks and recently visited with the Philadelphia Eagles. But the Giants offer Freeman the best opportunity for touches with Barkley loss for the season. They have Lewis and Wayne Gallman on the active roster. Veteran Ross Smith is on the practice squad. Wayne and Dion are definitely guys that will factor in, Coach Joe Judge said Monday. Will work to their strengths. They are two different types of backs. Both of them have a degree of toughness. Wayne's got that long speed, get him ranging out, and get him really moving. Dion's got that real good short area quickness and burst to get going. He does a great job of finding small seams and getting through the hole. They are both different guys. We're trying to have to work with what they do well to give them an opportunity to be successful. Now, add Freeman who visited the Giants on Tuesday to the mix. Barkley was placed on injured reserve earlier Tuesday. Cornerback Ryan Lewis was added to the active roster. Falcons hating her share of support for Cowboys Dak Prescott speaking on mental health. I've got nothing but respect for him. Atlanta Falcons tight end Hayden Hurst said he approached Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott after Sunday's game to wake up what Hurst called disgusting comments made by Fox Sports once. Get Bayless about Prescott opening up about his mental health. Prescott recently shared in an episode of in-depth with Graham Bensinger that he sought help in the offseason for anxiety and depression brought on by the death of his older brother, Jace, and the coronavirus pandemic. Jake Prescott died by suicide in April. The quarterback's mother died of colon cancer in 2013. In response to Prescott's comments, Bayless said on his Undisputed show, I don't have sympathy for Prescott going public with I got depressed and I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. Fox later issued a statement condemning Bayless's remarks. Hurst, who has been open about attempting suicide and dealing with anxiety and depression, said he was appalled by Bayless's words. To be totally honest with you, when I saw what Skip Bayless said, it just really upset me that Dak had the courage to come out and talk about that and how it affected his family, how it affected him. And those Bayless comments, I thought was just disgusting, Hurst told ESPN on Thursday night. For a guy to come out and talk about that topic and use his platform to try and help save lives, I've got nothing but respect for him because I know how hard it is going through stuff like that. It hit my family hard. My uncle killed himself. My cousin killed himself. 
and I had my own stuff with addiction and my attempted suicide. I know how much courage it takes to come out and talk about that. And for a guy like Bayless to blast Dak on his show on national television, I think that's just wrong. So I want to go up to Dak and talk to him and tell him how much I appreciate it. Following the Cowboys' 40-39 win over the Falcons on Sunday, video captured Hurts stopping Prescott to say, Hey, I've got a lot of respect for what you did. Came out and talked about it. Me and my mom have a foundation about suicide prevention. Respect the hell out of you for talking about it, man. Prescott responded with the suggestion that they collaborate one day, to which Hurst replied, Absolutely. I thought it was awesome Hurst told ESPN. I'm sure Dak Prescott doesn't really know who I am, but I know the courage that takes because a lot of people don't like talking about mental health. They're afraid to talk about it. They're embarrassed. If guys like Dak Prescott can come out and talk about it, I think he's going to save a lot of lives. I think that's cool. I admire him. And I'll be a Dak Prescott fan forever. I think he's an awesome guy. Hurst previously shared his story about attempting suicide in January 2016 when he was in college at South Carolina. He had an unsuccessful stint in minor league baseball as a pitcher due to a throwing condition known as the yips and started using drugs and drinking heavily, then tried to slit his wrist. He survived what he called his come-to-Jesus moment, and now he tries to educate others about dealing with depression. Hurst established the Hayden Hurst Foundation with his mother, Kathy, to raise awareness of mental health issues in children and adolescents by funding mental health services and programs through donations and fundraising events. The foundation will host a charity golf event October 19th in Atlanta. Moving right along, sources. Denver Broncos to sign quarterback Blake Bortles after Drew Locke injury. The starting quarterback Drew Locke expected to miss three to five weeks with a shoulder injury. The Denver Broncos have agreed to terms with Blake Bortles on a one-year deal, a source told ESPN's Jeremy Fowler on Tuesday. Bortles will start the mandated COVID-19 protocols, which will include multiple tests spread over four days. Coach Vic Fangio on Monday said that the Broncos had brought in a quarterback that the player wouldn't be able to attend meetings or practice until Friday or Saturday. Jeff Driscoll will start Sunday's game, home game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Brett Rippon is expected to serve as backup after moving from the practice squad to the roster. Moving forward, Bortles is expected to serve as Driscoll's backup. Bortles, 28, was with the Los Angeles Rams last season and appeared in three games with two pass attempts. The number three draft pick in 2014, Bortles spent his first five NFL seasons, 2014 to 2018, with the Jacksonville Jaguars playing in 75 games and throwing for 17,646 yards with 103 touchdowns and 75 interceptions. The move comes as the Broncos deal with a cascade of injuries that included Locke and wide receiver Cortland Sutton in Sunday's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Locke injured the rotator cuff of his throwing shoulder on a first 
quarter sack by Bud Dupree, and an MRI confirmed Monday that the first-year starter would miss several weeks. Sutton will miss the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. Driscoll played 64 of the offense's 77 snaps in the game and finished with 18 of 34 passing for 256 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. I thought in light of the circumstances coming in, they're cold, not getting many reps during the week. He doesn't probably get as many reps as some of the backups around the league because Drew being such a young quarterback, Fingio said. Last week was a short week, so the reps were down a little bit in its entirety. I thought he did a good job. Yes, we'll look we'll look moving forward to do what best suits Jeff. That's something you always do when you have new players in there. I am going to pause here and take a break, slipping a word from my sponsor, but when I come back, we are going to talk about how everything is fine in the NFL. Or shall I say, not so fine. Stay tuned because this train is still building up steam. This is a Train Sports Talk podcast, Anthony Smith. Be back after these words from my sponsor. just broke some news on some COVID protocols. Susie, last week the NFL sent out a strongly worded memo that said coaches had to wear masks on the sidelines. And the NFL felt like there were three coaches that didn't do it this weekend. Vic Fangio, Denver, Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco, and Pete Carroll in Seattle. It fined each of those head coaches $100,000 and fined each of those teams $250,000. So over a million dollars in fines for not wearing masks might not be done after watching tonight's game. You know, I asked Sean Payton about it yesterday, and he said, as a play caller, you're allowed to pull it down while you're calling the play, but then you need to back push up, it yeah. back up. So there you have it. Everything is fine. Unless you're on the wrong end of that. Raiders John Gruden, Saints Sean Payton, fined $100,000 for violating mask protocol. Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden and New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton have both been fined 100000 by the NFL for not wearing masks on the sideline during Monday night's game, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Raiders and Saints also have each been fined 250000 the source said. The fines are the same as what the NFL levied Monday against the Denver Broncos and Vic Fangio, the Seattle Seahawks, and Pete Carroll and San Francisco 49ers Kyle Shanahan for similar violations this past Sunday for the league's COVID-19 game day protocols. Gruden, who revealed after Monday night's 34-24 victory over the Saints that he had previously contracted COVID-19, said Tuesday that he did not want to get into specifics about how he dealt with the virus. It wasn't pleasant, he said, and and it was reported that I made up that I had the virus and it really ticked me off because I would never do something like that. But it's a very serious matter. And, you know, obviously I'm sensitive about it. It was a tough ordeal. That's for sure. Just like everybody else that had it. Peyton also battled COVID-19 over the summer. 
Carol speaking to the Seahawks website on Tuesday vowed to be better about adhering to the NFL's requirements that coaches wear coverings over their mouths and nose at all times on the sidelines during games. I had a coach who was reminding me about it throughout the game. Running backs coach Chad Morton was on my ass the whole night. He was reminding me the whole time, Carol said. I even changed masks at halftime to find one that worked better. Sometimes you got to get coached up. Sometimes you have to admit you screwed up and have to and have got to do better. We wear masks all day at practice. We wear them around the building, he added. I know it's extremely important to wear masks. Sometimes you got to be reminded. Gruden was asked after Monday night's game about being maskless on the sideline. I'm doing my best, he said at the time. I had the virus. I'm doing my best. I'm very sensitive about it. I'm calling plays. I just want to communicate in these situations. And if I get fined, I'll have to pay the fine. But I'm very sensitive about it, about that, and I apologize. So, there you have it. The NFL had to issue fines because some just weren't, weren't adhering to NFL protocols. So, looking ahead a little bit, coming up, and this is going to be, I believe, next Monday's game. It's going to be the Cowboys versus the Cardinals. So, who are their season leaders right now? Well, passing yards, you have Kyler Murray, thus far, 52 of 78, 516 yards with two TDs and two interceptions. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, 59 of 86 for 716 yards, two TDs. Rushing leaders, Kyler Murray, 21 carries, 158 yards, three TDs. Ezekiel Elliott, 44 carries, 185 yards, two TDs. Leading receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, 22 receptions, 219 yards, one TD. Amari Cooper, 16 receptions, 181 yards. So, for the Cardinals, offensively, you have to find a way to contain Kyler Murray because he can beat you two ways, with his arm and with his legs. Then you got to find someone that can put the clamps down on DeAndre Hopkins. Well, the Cowboys proved that they can shut down a team's leading receiver, which was evident when they shut down Julio Jones last week. But DeAndre Hopkins, though, is a different beast and poses a different threat. And then even if you concentrate and lock down DeAndre Hopkins, you still have the ageless wonder, which would make me a little bit nervous in one sure to be first ballot Hall of Fame in my books Larry Fitzgerald and I said that when this trade was made bringing the Andre Hopkins to the Cardinals basically extended Larry Fitzgerald because this team can make a playoff run but by next year this team I could see them being in the Super Bowl I'm not going to enshrine them this year but the following year, and if Larry Fitzgerald so sees fit to come back, 
if this season plays out the way I can see it playing out, they could easily be knocking on the door of a Super Bowl berth next year. The injury report. Mason Cole, center for the Arizona Cardinals, he's questionable. For the Cowboys, they have three names on their list and their status is also questionable. Chidobe Awuzie, cornerback. Demarcus Lawrence, defensive end. And Tyron Smith, offensive tackle. All three are questionable. So they'll get next Monday's game. Some other games of interest, you have the Falcons, the Falcons at Green Bay. It's a matchup of 0-2 team versus the 2-0 team. And the line on that game right now is Green Bay minus 5. We don't have too many lines. We don't have no lines on any other games. But I will give you the games of coming up next week. You have the Chargers versus the Saints. Mind you, Josh... Hubert debuted last week in absence of Tyrod Taylor. Why do I bring that up? Because it took a field goal for Kansas City to beat the San Diego Chargers. Anthony Lynn has said when Tyrod Taylor comes back from his injury, he's still the starting quarterback. And I get that, that you can't lose your job due to an injury. But I'll say, if the kid is hot, let him play. You know, there was a big fuss when uh, Dak Prescott came in, and Dallas was rolling along, and Tony Romo was getting healthy, and the question is, when is Tony Romo going to play? When is Tony Romo going to play? Tony Romo never got to play about the last game of the season. He got in for a couple of series at the end of the game. But I say, if the kid is hot, you keep him in there. If he regresses, you go back to the veteran. But that'll be an intriguing game to watch. Chargers at Saints, both teams, one and one. Then you have a battle of two, two and old teams. The Bears versus the Rams. Then you have the one and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the 0 and 2 New York Giants. And can somebody tell me something? Why are they always referred to as the New York football giants when I think we all know that the New York Giants play football? You don't hear people saying the San Francisco baseball giants. So why do people have to refer to the New York Giants as the New York football giants? So me, I just choose simply say the New York Giants. There is my rant for the day. A battle taking place in the NFC. You have Cam Newton-led Patriots going up against the 0-2 Jets. Can you say T-A-N-K, Tank? A game in the black and blue division. You have the 2-0 Bears against the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. 
Then you have the Los Angeles Rams at 2-0 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1-1. And then you have a matchup of two teams going two totally different directions as of right now. You have the 2-0 Seattle Seahawks going up against the 0-2 Philadelphia Eagles. Also, you have the 2-0 Bills against the 1-1 San Francisco 49ers. You have the in a AFC North Division, you have the Brown, the Baltimore Ravens, I call the original Cleveland Browns, just relocated at 2-0 against the comeback Browns of Cleveland at 1-1. And once again, another classic case of two teams going in opposite directions. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers 2-0 against the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. So there you have it. Games coming up of interest. This has been another edition of A Train Sports Talk Podcast, where this train is always building up steam. This is Anthony Smith signing off. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a blessed evening. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, yours truly, Anthony Smith.